Today, we, we are wrapping up a series that we've been in now for the last month titled Chasing Carrots. And, and as the subtitle of this series likely tipped you off, we're, we're specifically talking about that endless pursuit of more. See, this lie that every single one of us get baited into, whether you're young, you're old, you're white, you're black, you're Christian, not a Christian, is if we could, if we could just get that, or we could just get more of that, then we'd be good. Then we would experience earthly bliss. Then we would finally be content. But, but as we've been reminding ourselves of throughout this series is that many of you, you've actually got that. Some of you, you actually got a lot of that. And while it may have brought you a sense of temporary satisfaction, eventually you found yourself right back at square one. Frustrated, maybe, unsatisfied, discontent, unfulfilled. And so if you're sick of chasing after that and tired of that falling consistently short, you're probably going to go back and listen to this entire series, which you can find at grumlaw.com slash messages. Uh, or as always, you can find us under Grumlaw Church, wherever it is that you grab your podcasts. Now, how many of you are familiar with this phrase, uh, living my best life, living my best life? Uh, you've likely heard this, I'm guessing, at some point. We see it a ton on social media in particular, uh, usually next to some very carefully curated photo. Uh, people love using this phrase, living my best life, especially when they're on vacation. You know, they have mimosas next to the pool and the boomerang selfie of you cheersing with your bestie, and they're like, that's my impression of a, of a boomerang. Anyway, living my best life, or you just put up all the fall decorations all over your house, and it's going to look really picturesque for all of about 30 seconds till your kids start going hard. But for those 30 seconds, you're living my best life. A picture of your overpriced meal at the trendy new restaurant, living my best life. In reality, this is actually what is sitting in front of you. It's like, you got to really check out that new barbecue place in town. And the new barbecue place, just a slice of white bread, a couple pickles, coleslaw, and some overpriced brisket. $18.99 coming at you. And of course, don't forget your very, very original photo of your legs crossed with the ocean in the background, living my best life. Come on, every single one of us, because it's dang near impossible to avoid while living in America. We all pursue that carrot of comfort. I like to be comfortable. I'm guessing you like to be comfortable. We all love ourselves some comfort because it's, well, comfortable. Who wants to sit on a hard bench when you could be on a nice plush sectional? Who wants to be eating a meal in 90-degree heat when you could be inside in the air conditioning? Who wants to slave over a meal when someone can actually just make the food for you and then somebody else can bring it out and plop it right in front of your grill? Comfort's pretty nice. Now, I know this is going to come as a shocker for some of you, but Scripture, this book that we call the Bible, it talks an awful lot about this. Uh, specifically this morning, we're going to be taking a look at some words that, that a guy who went by the name of John wrote for us. Now, those of you who aren't familiar with John, he was one of the 12 disciples, one of these guys who was really close to Jesus, one of Jesus's 12 closest friends. But even more than that, John was actually a part of this inner circle of three people. The, the, these three people that, that spent a lot of time with Jesus, that Jesus even kind of disclosed even more to. I mean, he had a front row seat for Jesus's entire earthly ministry. He heard just about everything he said. He watched how he treated people. He observed his mannerisms, his nonverbals, seriously, like, like all of it. And I share that with you because when John writes, we can be confident that he isn't writing from a place of, uh, here's kind of what I think John, John, what I think is best. No, John's coming from a place of like, no, I witnessed all of this stuff firsthand. 
And, and, and as counterculture, admittedly as unrealistic as a lot of this maybe sounds, I, I actually saw a person live this way. And, and perhaps John would even admit to us that even though in, in some of those moments he might have actually rolled his eyes and Jesus would say this stuff and he'd just be like, that seems so crazy. But the guy did, after all, predict his own death and resurrection and then he actually pulled it off. So call me a simple man, but if somebody does that, I'm just going to go with whatever he says. And so in 1 John chapter 2, John records these words for us, which again, he, he didn't come up with this stuff himself. He witnessed this in action. He not only listened to Jesus teach about these things, he again, he watched a person actually live this way which led him to write, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Here is what John is imploring of us. Do not love the cultural system that you find yourself a part of. Do not love the spirit of this world. Whether you've ever slowed down enough to actually put this together or not, there is a gravitational pull that surrounds every single one of us to pursue all that America has to offer. Namely, and particularly for our conversation this morning, comfort. More stuff, more amenities, more luxuries, more for me, 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 me. The cultural system that we find ourselves a part of is slowly, subtly, but surely leading us to a place where we think to ourselves or Maybe you never actually think about it because it's so incredibly insidious, but it's there whispering to us, God is unnecessary. God isn't needed. Come on, I, I don't need God. Can I get real vulnerable with all of you for a second? When God began to place this idea of starting a church on my heart, I'm telling you, I really resisted. In fact, and my wife probably remembers this all too well, I actually begged God, I mean, I begged him to, to let me go be a missionary in a third world country. And that prayer and that desire to sell everything and move to a third world country to tell people about Jesus was motivated almost entirely by this one reality. See, see even though at that point I was only about 27 years old, I'd obviously spent enough time in America to know that it's really, really, really hard to convince an American that they need Jesus. It's part of the reason that going on a short-term mission trip is so refreshing. You see people who have so little. Comfort is, is kind of strangely missing from their lives, and that kind of in and of itself is jarring for us who have so much. We look at them, we're like, how are you so happy? And so often, because they have so little, you tell them about Jesus, and no sooner are the words out of your mouth, no sooner are you sharing the gospel, that they're looking at you going, where do I sign up? Of course, like who wouldn't want this? Of course I want to give my life to Jesus. But here in America, and just so it doesn't seem like I'm picking on America, this is true of all first world countries. Here in America, you tell someone about Jesus, and that person kind of looks around and they take a quick inventory of their life. They, they see all the comforts and the luxuries they have and they think to themselves, shoot, sometimes they even say it out loud. I don't think I need them. Look at my life. If you haven't noticed, that things seem to be going pretty well. I, I don't think I need God. Come on, I know I'm generalizing a little bit when I throw out this statement. But, but those people living in first world countries like you and I, 
We're the only ones who have the audacity to look at the hope that Jesus offers and swipe left. We're so comfortable. We got it all covered on our own. We don't need God. And this morning, this is not just a message for the people who have yet to put their faith in Jesus. There are a whole lot of Christians who need to be listening well too. I'm not saying it's been intentional, but, but, but many of us, we have allowed our lives to drift right on over to what John is referring to here. You, you are loving the world. See, every single one of us left to our own devices, we naturally drift towards ease, towards comfort, maybe even laziness. In fact, I'll actually prove it to you. You married couples. I want you to think back to those early years when you were just beginning to date. And ladies in particular, I want you to think back to how your man really, really pursued you. In fact, I was actually marrying a couple this, this, this last weekend, uh, and they shared with me that for a while in their relationship, they had to do the whole long distance thing. And they, they share with me, like, they would stay connected by playing, like, literally board games over FaceTime. They'd watch movies at the same time. They'd even sleep on the phone together. I'm like, it is pretty crazy what love will get a grown man to do. Uh, when I was actually pursuing my now bride, Andrea, I, on one Valentine's Day, the first Valentine's Day where she was officially my girlfriend, I went around, we, we met in college, I went around to every single one of her classes on that particular Valentine's Day and, and almost like kind of strangely stalked her. And outside of her class, when it would get dismissed, I would put a chair or a table right in the path of the door where everybody else had to walk around it. And I put a single flower, her name, and then some sappy letter that I wrote outside every single one of her classes. Now my wife Andrea is like, hey Shay, would, would you mind unloading and loading the dishwasher? And you would think that she asked me to build her a dishwasher from scratch using only the items I have found in my backyard. We drift towards comfort. We drift towards ease. John, in, in this letter that he writes for us, he uses this phrase, the world, on 17 different occasions. It's not an accident. He's warning every single one of us that the gravitational pull towards the spirit of this world, the cultural system of this world, is very, very real. That, that if every single one of us aren't very intentional about this, we'll find ourselves inevitably drifting towards comfort and as a result, away from God. Because you, you can't have both. Which is exactly why John gives us those rather harsh-sounding words. He says, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Because again, I'm going to remind you just in case you already forgot, enough comfort for any one of us eventually takes us to a place where we don't see God as necessary. We look at God and we say, I don't know what you're here for. Now, I promise that when I write these messages, I'm always trying to think through the lens of the skeptical person that's sitting out there, the, the person that kind of got drugged or, you know, you know, forced to watch this this morning. It, it'd be very, very normal for you to think, okay, Shay, I'm hearing what you're saying, but, but help me understand what's so bad about this. I mean, I, I can get on board with this whole idea that, that you're either pursuing God or you're pursuing comfort. In fact, it's actually quite logical, but I choose comfort. So, so, so what's so bad about that? Here's the issue with that. And, and if you've been tracking with us for really any part of this series, you're probably seeing this as a bit of a theme by this point. Comfort. Well, it can certainly be nice in the moment. Again, I, I like comfort. It's a really lousy substitute compared to what God promises 
and ultimately delivers on. A a, a comfortable life, even like a really comfortable like MTV Cribs kind of life, it, it pales in comparison to a life spent in real relationship with Jesus. Like all these other topics that we've covered in this series, fame, stuff, perfectionism, approval, it it always comes up short. No matter how much you get of that, no, no matter how much comfort you get in your life, even though it might provide momentary satisfaction, you inevitably only want more. And even when you get more, it still doesn't end up being enough. Even Drake, yes, that Drake, I can't believe I'm about to quote Drake here in a sermon. He spells this out, honestly, quite brilliantly. He says, there was a point where I felt like I needed to keep the company of a different woman every night. I was trying to fill a void. We've talked a lot about that. But in those moments after sex, I know it wasn't working. Those quiet moments, the realest moments a man will ever have in his life. The next day, I convinced myself to do it again. But during that time, I knew it wasn't working. See, what we're doing, no no matter how comfort might be manifesting itself in your life, what, what we're doing is we're chasing counterfeits. We're pursuing counterfeits. They're designed to look a lot alike. They actually seem pretty close on the surface. But when you really dig in, when you really examine, you figure out it actually has no value at all. When I was in middle school, I went on a mission trip to Mexico. And I would love to tell you that I was most excited for this mission trip to, you know, serve the poor and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Honestly, and this kind of gets you in the head of a middle schooler, I was literally most excited to go to the market and get myself some fake Oakleys, or as they're often called, Folkleys, and specifically the Oakley jackets. Y'all remember these? I mean, these were like the coolest sunglasses of all time. And so I brought all this money. I bought multiple pairs and I was excited to get my Oakley jackets and eventually come home and show them off to the ladies and just prove to everyone just how cool I was. Now, shortly after returning home with those Oakley jackets, I think those are actually real ones. Uh, Shortly after returning home, uh, I'm wearing these Oakley jackets around. Wouldn't you know it? They didn't last very long. They all eventually started breaking and cracking and the lenses started to turn like this rainbowy color. And I remember, it wasn't too shortly after that, that, that somebody actually handed me a real pair, not, not to have, but just to try on. And I was like, oh, there's a difference. These are like more pliable. They're more comfortable on your face. The quality is definitely a lot higher. In fact, there's something to these polarized lenses. Everything is a little bit crisper. You can actually like see into water. I get why somebody would actually maybe spend $150, $175 on a pair of sunglasses. A rich, luxurious, a comfortable life, it seems like it can provide everything that God himself offers. But, but, but as every single one of us have experienced, it consistently falls short. Drake didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you that. This series of talks hasn't demonstrated that to you. Your life has shown you that that's absolutely true. Comfort is a counterfeit for what only God can actually provide. It's a cheap substitute that's never going to satisfy long term. As we talked about last week, as Drake even alluded to, it's something trying to fill that void that every single one of us have, but only Jesus was ever meant to fill. Chasing after that counterfeit, chasing after that comfort, in fact, only reveals spiritual emptiness. Again, as we mentioned last week, God placed that void 
God placed that longing, God placed that yearning inside every single one of us. He put it there so that we would instinctively pursue a relationship with him. But, but, but he also gave you this thing called free will. And, and, and just as every single one of us, you know, have this void in our lives that we can choose to fill with like basically whatever we want, we, 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 again, we have that free will which gives us that opportunity to just cram that void full of all this other junk, not the least of which being comfort. But, but I want you to think about this. Is it possible that your desire, your need even to chase something out here reveals the fact that you lack something in here. That your continual pursuit of comfort and that it never ends up being enough it is like this loud ringing alarm bell inside of you saying, wake up, it's never going to be enough. It might be time to give this Jesus guy a shot. So, don't love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. As we pursue comfort, we inevitably drift away from God. We, we get baited into thinking that we don't need God. And, and consequently, we end up loving the comforts this world offers us more than loving what God loves most, people. I, I've joked around in the past that when I'm most comfortable, when you're the most comfortable, what we're least likely to be moved to action. You know, while on a vacation at an all-inclusive resort, never once have I thought to myself, you know what, it is, it's time to go change the world. Comfort never moves anyone to action. And, and for those of you who are watching who, who would call yourself a Christian, it, it never moves us to action to help what matters most to God. Again, people. In Paul's early letter to the Christian church in Corinth, he, he implores us with these words. And again, these aren't just words for a church that existed some 2,000 years ago. They're words for us. He, he says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, that Jesus gave his life for all of us, and therefore we all died. We all died to our sin. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, pursuing comfort, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And how do we live our lives for Christ? By loving the people well around us, by sacrificing personally our comforts for the benefit of the people around us. Remember, Jesus is God's son. This whole Trinity thing, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are all God, but, but manifested in different ways. So, so when something is revealed to us about the character of Jesus, we're, we're also learning about the character of the Father. We're also learning about the character of the Holy Spirit as well. When we read about how Jesus treated the poor and the vulnerable, the hurting, the weak, we're also being shown the Father and the Holy Spirit's posture towards those on the fringes as well. The wording here is so intentional. When Christ's love, when God's love gets inside of you, you are compelled to do something with it. And creating a more comfortable life for yourself is not what Jesus had in mind. Jesus made it very, very clear that following him comes down to loving God and loving people. Your love for God is demonstrated and authenticated by how you are loving the people around you. Over these last couple of months, my wife and I, we've been pretty uh, open and forthright with this church, this community about this journey that we've been on. 
with our youngest child and uh, walking through this, this foster care system and you know, hopefully and prayerfully, and by the way, I just want to say thank you for all of you who have been continually praying for him. Uh, we ask that those prayers just keep on a coming. But, but we've been praying that eventually we would be able to bring him in as a permanent member of our family through, through adoption. And uh, it was last week that, uh, honestly, we got some news that was really hard to hear. It was hard to understand. It just honestly didn't seem very logical. It doesn't seem like people are fighting for him in the way that they should be. I mean, just all this stuff. And I'm walking in on that Sunday morning, kind of like with all of this stuff floating around in my head and honestly pretty distracted. And uh, God put a particular woman right in my path who was just, oh my gosh, it was such a life-giving and encouraging conversation. And it wasn't just filled with like all this Christianese. No, she was actually speaking from experience. And I knew she had been involved in foster care in some level, but she actually went on to share me that she had fostered and adopted her and her husband six different kids in addition to her biological children. And so she was speaking from experience and she's telling me it is not lost. Hope is not lost. Don't worry. Like God is going to take care of this child. We have seen God come through time and time again in our own family. Everything's going to be okay. But I just kind of sat there as I walked away. I'm like, they fostered and adopted six different kids? And and come on, even as Christians, we think to ourselves, that's crazy, right? I mean, that's nuts. Who does that? But, But church, that is precisely What is supposed to happen when the love of God, when the love of the Father, when the love of Jesus, when the love of the Holy Spirit gets inside of you? I mean, yes, that stuff stands out, but it shouldn't be that crazy. It shouldn't be an anomaly. These types of stories should be normal, commonplace among followers of Jesus. Regularly sacrificing comforts for yourself for the benefit of the people around you is central. It is foundational to what it means to follow Jesus to what it means to follow Christ. Christ's love compels us to live like this. As you grow in your relationship with Jesus, comfort, the culture system of this world, the spirit of this world, it only becomes more and more unappealing. And the way of God becomes the only option. I'm going to speak really plainly right now. If you are sitting right here and you're watching, you call yourself a Christian, but, but you don't feel compelled to sacrificially give, to, to, to sacrifice comforts from, from your own life for the benefit of others. You, you don't find yourself more and more agitated, bothered, irritated by the American way. You really need to ask yourself, how much has the love of Christ, how much has the love of the Father really invaded my life? God's heart is breaking for the broken people in this world. And when our hearts aren't breaking for what breaks his, there's a disconnect. The spirit of the world has made its way into our lives. A spiritual emptiness has thus been revealed. An emptiness that we keep trying to fill with all this other junk. All of these counterfeits. So, bottom line, the take home today is is very, very simple for every single one of us. I'm going to try to make this very, very easy to remember. Just three words. Embrace the authentic. Embrace the authentic. (laughs) Stop settling for the $5 street pair of Oakleys when God is desperately trying to hand you the real deal. Stop choosing to fill that void with counterfeits, but what was only ever meant to be filled with a real intimate relationship with Jesus. Again, just think about this logically. Why? Why would we continue to chase 
after what we know is counterfeit. As we've been reminding all of you throughout this series, your life has shown you that all of this stuff falls short. So why not give Jesus a shot? What in the world do you have to lose? Why would we keep chasing around this, this counterfeit comfort when authentic comfort is waiting for you? I'm going to close with this, this interaction between Jesus and another one of his close friends, a, a guy who went by the name of Peter. Uh, it's easy for us to, to read the Gospels and just be like, look at what Jesus was up to. I mean, he's healing people, there's miracles, he's walking on water. But, but after a lot of that stuff was going on, it got to this point where, where Jesus began teaching more and more and more and more. And, and Jesus went on to say a lot of things that were just so countercultural, a lot of things that were honestly just kind of bizarre. And people were like, okay, I've seen this guy, you know, perform miracles. I've seen him heal my buddy. Like I've seen him do some pretty incredible things, but I just cannot wrap my head around what he is saying right now. I mean, that stands in such stark contrast to what the world has been beating into my head since the day I was born. And so people left and right, they're walking away. That They're like, okay, cool. He put on a pretty good show, but but I'm out. I cannot handle what he is saying. And as Jesus is watching person after person after person walk away from him, he looks at his friend Peter and he says, hey, you going to bounce too? You going you gonna to walk away? And Simon replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. He's going, Jesus, I know that most people in our society don't think very highly of me. I'm just, I'm just a fisherman, and honestly, I'm not that bright, but, but I'm not that stupid. Why would I keep going for the counterfeit when the real deal is sitting in front of me right now? Jesus, I've seen how much better my life is with you, and there ain't a chance I'm going back. Trying to fill an eternal longing with temporary comfort will lead to an empty life. Again, I don't think you'd be watching right now if this wasn't at least a part of your story. And as counterintuitive, perhaps even as irrational as it may sound, I mean, I get it, sacrificing personally for others, just giving stuff away, willingly stepping into earthly discomfort. As backwards as this all sounds... I'm telling you, it's such a better way to live. When you start to reject and push back against the spirit of this world, and instead you embrace Jesus, when you start to push back against those earthly comforts for the benefit of the people around you, I'm telling you, you'll experience a joy, a contentment, a purpose that you didn't even know was available. That that void that you have been trying to fill with all this other junk, I mean, one day you'll slow down enough to realize and figure out, yeah, I, I think it's been satisfied. That I, I don't feel that, that gap anymore. Huh, that guy, that church wasn't lying. Life with Jesus really is better after all. It's probably why Jesus warned us with these rather infamous words. Again, Jesus himself speaking. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. This life, pursuing the American dream, I promise you, 
That ain't living your best life. Keep on chasing after earthly comfort, the counterfeits, and you will be stuck on that hamster wheel for the rest of your life. As, as Jesus puts it very plainly, you'll lose it. But Jesus also says, he implores us, he almost begs us, he says, hey, if you give me a shot, you fill that void with the real deal, you, you embrace the authentic, you'll save it. You, you will experience true life, life to the fullest. That the life that the God who created you designed for you. The life that was always intended for you.